Welcome to the Cooping a Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm an analyst and advisor at Cooping a Coal Analysts. And in each edition of this podcast, I talk to one special guest, uh, often a fellow analyst or another interesting partner, and we have a 15 minutes chat or so. Uh, my guest today is, and I'm happy to have him again, Alexei Balagansky. He is lead advisor in the areas of cybersecurity for Kupinger Coal here in Germany. Hi, Alexei. Hello, Matthias. I'm glad to be here again on this podcast. Good to have you. Where to start? I had an earlier episode together with our common colleague, John Tolbert from Seattle, and he was talking about when is a cybersecurity product not a cybersecurity product? And he was looking at intrinsic deficiencies of these solutions. So when it comes to the, the fact that those solutions should provide security, but actually are not secured themselves, that was the starting point for that episode. And there are lots of these products around. And today, title of today's episode is uh, The Cargo Cult of Cybersecurity. I think we want to dig a bit deeper in that area. Where should we start? I think, first of all, we should explain the term cargo cult. Uh, what does that actually mean, Alexei? Exactly. Well, uh, historically, of course, this term has nothing to do with cybersecurity. Uh, if you remember, on the, well, I hope you not, don't personally remember it, but basically during the time of the World War II, uh, the uh, United States and Japan uh, had fought over the Pacific uh, Ocean. And for that, they had to build lots of temporary airfields and supply uh, points for their armies and navies. And of course, they did it on those tiny Pacific islands uh, still inhabited by those native people who are, to this day, are not very familiar with the modern civilization. And those people have observed strange uh, foreigners coming to an island, building an airfield, planes flying by and dropping lots of crates with useful supplies and then disappearing again. And they believe that this is some kind of a divine intervention, that gods were sending those, car those precious cargo to them through the white people. And later when the war ended, they were trying to build the same airfields, planes from straw and sticks, uh, hoping that more cargo will arrive from the gods. And I believe that this are uh, illustrates perfectly the situation in the cybersecurity market nowadays, both in terms of the way some vendors approach the security software design and, of course, how quite a few companies, the end users of cybersecurity products, still behave, unfortunately. Okay, can you can you give a, a simple example? I'm really trying to, to get, get that connection between the cargo cult and cybersecurity. Well, uh, I would not give you any specific names, of course, sure. but uh, you do realize that the spending on the cybersecurity tools is growing amazingly. Like billions are invested in these tools uh, every year, but we still see that uh, the overall level of security isn't really going up. There are still data breaches and hacks, and even though the most basic uh, cybersecurity hygiene rules are violated by ransomware, and the question is, where, all, where does all this money go? And the answer is that sometimes the companies would just procure a cybersecurity tool. Basically, they will buy a box. They will put that box onto the shelf and say, okay, now with this magic amulet, we are secured. 
They didn't, did not care about properly deploying the tool, incorporating all the devices and systems uh, into the management, uh, operating it, uh, monitoring it, and so on. It's just there, like, uh, like an airfield with a plane built from wood and sticks. Right. So it's this firewall approach. We have a firewall, so we must be secure. Yes, even though that firewall probably doesn't even block anything anymore because it's 10 years too old. Right. So keeping up with configuration, deploying it adequately, running it with maybe a, a skilled team of, of experts, that is the aspect that's missing because that cannot be simply procured by just spending money and buying a box. Right. Right, right. And of course, unfortunately, uh, the software, the cybersecurity vendors themselves sometimes don't do their homework as well. There are many examples noted, as John just addressed earlier, cybersecurity tools which lack uh, secure multi-factor authentication, which means that uh, anybody can basically hack into your cybersecurity tool and receive it or disable it completely. Other vendors might, for example, use a simple MySQL database unencrypted, unprotected to store their findings. And of course, they can be manipulated and erased at any time. We're talking about compliance, for example. And there are many, many examples of uh, designing a cybersecurity software as if it's not a part of your critical infrastructure, but a game or an office software, which can break all the time without problems. Okay, but with the move to the cloud, maybe also again with the situation that we are all still in, um, many organizations moving to the cloud that even has a much higher or much, much more open attack surface because when you're doing things not right in the cloud, um, that is much more visible and the attackers are already there. Well, moving, moving to the cloud introduces uh, uh, its own uh, share of new uh, security challenges and these challenges are sometimes so different from those which you have to deal on premises because you no longer have control over infrastructure and the services but you still uh, retain full responsibility for your sensitive data for example yeah and, and obviously uh, you have to know about those challenges and i guess this is probably like the primary reason for this cargo cult is that uh, people just don't know their responsibilities. They do not have the necessary expertise to make proper decisions. I'm not even talking about operating the system because that's a totally different story about the dreaded skills gap in the industry. I'm talking about basic uh, cybersecurity common sense, if you will, basic understanding of what technologies you need to address which challenges. If you are lacking this basic understanding, you will never make a uh, a reasonable security decision. Right. So um, I'm, I'm usually somebody who is talking often about this, this DevOps approach with um, the developers also being the ones being um, responsible for operating the overall system. And I think these are often also over-challenged just with applying the right level of security on top of doing development and doing operations. I think that is um, goes hand in hand with what you've described. So um, I have a secure solution because I bought something. I have a highly talented de developer who's working on that solution and he also deploys the machines to the cloud. Um, there, there needs to be some, some area where there are gaps. Yes, uh, DevOps are originally uh, had nothing to do with security at all. It's basically their approach, not even the technology, it's really kind of an organizational approach towards uh, bringing your software products faster 
to the market, right? Uh, developers tend to not think about security at all. It's usually not their responsibility. And the security people tend not to know how to talk to developers properly, right? So this is why this whole uh, DevSecOps uh, movement is emerging at the moment. How do you uh, make security not only accessible and intrinsic to your application, but to make everyone uh, engaged in this? Because security is a process. It's not a point in time. You have to do, you have to think about security all the time and you have to involve everyone. And this is probably one of the, those uh, groundbreaking changes which have to become commonplace in software industry and then in IT around the world to, to break uh, with this cargo culture, if you will. Right, so, so when we do understand that as an issue and we see that in the news all the time when we find um, um, unprotected MongoDB databases somewhere in the cloud, um, and somebody did not just apply common sense within the cloud um, because it's not protected um, as protected as it would be in a an, in an on-premises data center. But what would be then the overall set of recommendations that you would like to give when it comes to, first of all, avoiding this cargo cult, but then getting to a much more adequate approach towards cybersecurity beyond the tooling? Well, obviously, one has to realize that uh, cybersecurity is not an IT thing. It's not a tool thing. First and foremost, it's, uh, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of organizing your business processes, be it software developer to just a normal, quote-unquote, usual business. So security is not something you have to adopt, kind of bolt on something. It just has to become your part of daily life, of daily business, just like hygiene, if you will. This is kind of the first thing, which has absolutely nothing to do with tools. It's just you have to change the way you are thinking about your business. But then, of course, as soon as you understand that you have this problem, you, have, you are starting to look for solutions. And obviously, the most ideal, if not idealistic, approach would be so-called secure by design. So, yeah. It, it would have been awesome if every piece of software just did not contain any bugs, right? Then you should not be, you wouldn't need to, to care about uh, any potential security problems because there won't be any. Of course, in reality, such thing doesn't exist. So the next uh, best thing would be what uh, sometimes is called secure by default, meaning that uh, as when whenever you buy and deploy a, a tool a specialized security tool or just a piece of software, it should come with a, the best and the most secure configuration already pre-applied. You remember, for example, that uh, sometimes uh, the home Wi-Fi routers come with a fixed password, which is the same for every customer. So this is a bad example of secure by default. Instead, you should... Uh, expect that every uh, router comes with its individual uh, safe password and maybe even forces you to change it as soon as you deploy it at home, right? So this is secure by default. And the same approach applies to enterprise software and, of course, to the cloud services as well. Okay. When we then think of this approach of cybersecurity vendors and, and service providers, really pre-applying this high level of security as far as that is possible. Um, that is a good, good starting point for organizations, but how can they then 
keep up with the changing challenges over time. You, you mentioned the skill gap. How, how can we or how can they really get to an adequate level of security over time? And also in that layered approach scenario, when you have more than one security component contributing to a, to a general approach for security? Well, what I say now might be somewhat unpopular, but I'm actually a strong believer in the strict government regulation in cybersecurity. We have already seen the fruits of uh, regulations like GDPR, and yeah, they are really harsh, and the fees are abysmal, but they work. And it seems that for many companies, this is the only way to actually force them to start thinking about security because they would realize that uh, being secure is not just uh, a nuisance, it's actually a method of saving a lot of money. So if the, if, if the skills are not available on the market, so we end up with training? No, 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 I, I, I'm not talking about skills yet. Uh, first of all, I mean, first of all, you have to understand that security, well, has to be in your product. Right. Because uh, as, as long as there is no requirement and regulation, What's the point of building a, in a security feature if you don't have any responsibility for your software failing in cybersecurity? But as soon as you do, whether you are a software vendor or a software consumer, if you will, then of course, it will be your best interest to find a solution. And then you would start looking for experts, those uh, skilled people. And of course you won't find any because they are already way too scarce. So yeah, I guess, uh, again, uh, cloud and secure by default are great opportunities because uh, you don't have to deal with each uh, deployment individually. You just have it as a service managed by a relatively small group of experts somewhere. And of course, if it's properly certified, if it's properly covered by SLAs uh, and third-party assessments, and you are more or less fine. And of course, uh, there are some promising future developments in this regard. Uh, this whole idea of AI and machine learning taking over uh, the job of the security analyst. We are still far from being there, but uh, the industry has already made great strides. So we have really interesting examples of nearly autonomous AI-powered security solutions in specific areas like network security or database protection, for example. And we are looking forward to seeing more of that in the cloud security and hopefully in other areas of cybersecurity as well. Okay. What we are doing in advisory often is what we call portfolio management or portfolio analysis to understand which types of products our end-user customers or end-user organizations uh, have in place. And when we look at cybersecurity, we often identify that there are overlaps and, and more than one solution to actually solve the same problem. But what you mentioned then is we should think of, of a bigger picture, not only at the products, the, the tools, but also the availability of, of expertise and the availability of operations in a way that this all works together and that we should include that as well. Absolutely. So yes, I'm, and first of all, I would really uh, urge anyone to stop thinking about products and start thinking about risks and mitigation controls for those risks. So as soon as you understand what risks are, are the most relevant and most uh, important, the riskiest, if you will, for your specific uh, environment, for your specific organization, you can start 
focusing on capabilities you need to address those risks. And as soon as you identify the necessary capabilities, you can start that process of minimizing overlaps and ensuring that you only get those capabilities uh, once and not thrice from different vendors, for example. And of course, that you do not have uh, uncovered areas, blind spots. Because many companies, are, and I know it from our own advisor experience, tend to believe that what they did for their risk uh, assessment and uh, cybersecurity infrastructure 10 years ago is still relevant. It's not. There are so many new risks or many new blind spots. So yeah, it's uh, definitely the time now to reevaluate those areas and uh, reevaluate your cybersecurity portfolio. So that would be also some kind of continuous improvements or really trying to be as mature, moving along with changing technologies to be on par with the changing um, environments that you deal with. Again, that's, that's uh, the ideal, but uh, probably very few companies are already there. The others should only kind of strive to be there and start their journey now with doing first small steps. Right. So, so keeping up with the with the development is one aspect. The other, and you mentioned it quickly, uh, is uh, having security provided as a service by a cloud service provider, by a by a managed service provider. I think that is an interesting topic that we should cover in a separate episode. And but if the audience is interested in learning more about these no, more modern, more adequate offerings when it comes to providing security, is there something that we already can provide as input to them? Is there information available at Kubinger Co? Oh, first of all, of course, we are continuously covering the latest development or most interesting uh, products and services with those regards. And we will find a lot of on our KC Plus platform where we publish our findings. But of course, I mean, uh, you mentioned advisory. That's what we do. Uh, we help uh, companies to not just uh, answer their cybersecurity questions, but to help them identify their questions first. Because as long as they do not know what they don't have, they cannot ask the right questions. And when we start with this guidance, they might realize, wow, we're actually far more behind than we thought. But that's good because this is the first step towards doing cybersecurity properly and not as a cargo cult. Yes, and that was a perfect final word for this episode. Uh, so really understanding where you actually are, make an assessment, wh where the risks are. Are you really up to date with what's going on outside and what the bad guys are already doing? I think that is a, a, a good closing for this episode. And I think we should follow up on that when it comes to more modern platforms for providing security as one building block of your overall cybersecurity strategy. Um, so Again, thank you very much, um, Alexei, for being part of this podcast. Okay, well, thanks, Matthias, for having me again and looking forward to talk to you about all this interesting stuff in the future. Yes, looking forward to that as well. Thank you very much and bye-bye.